You are listening to Prickly and Blooming, brought to you by LaJoy Society. And now, your hostess, Jessie Browning. All right, all right, all right. Hello, friends. Here I am. It's Wednesday again, and we're doing this. We're, we're meeting up here again on a Wednesday morning, afternoon, night. I don't know. Like I said, you might listen to this at 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. You might listen to it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe 9 o'clock when you're commuting. Oh, wait, nobody's commuting. <laughs> Did you know that podcasts are like in a weird like listenership moment because everyone used to listen to them when they were commuting and now they're not? It's affecting listenership. But I think new people are listening because new people have time. But people who commuted don't. Anyway, let's stop telling you about um, the effects of our commuting on podcast listenership. We're going to talk about Maylee. So last week we had the first part of my interview with Maylee aired and I told you we kind of went really long, but I found it really relevant and really honest and raw and important and stories that need to be told. If there's a lot of stereotyping about alcoholics and what they look like and what they seem like and who they should be. And I think the more that we share honest, real stories about what alcoholism looks like and who um, it affects the the more we can you know reach other people who are suffering and maybe affect you know them to step out of the the storyline that they've been living and try a new one. Melee is just so wonderful and so accessible, and I found it important that we hear the whole story, no matter how long it is. I have said this before, and I'll tell you again that after I hit you know, stop recording. I talk to these women even longer. You know, it's, <laughs> we probably, it's quite often that we record for, you know, an hour and then we talk almost for another hour. <laughs> but Maylee and I really, you know, really hit a stride. And so here we are. Part two. Take it away. So it's the fall and I'm like looking, I'm realizing like, this is not okay. I'm not happy with my life. I'm not happy with the things that are going, I have got to, something's got to change. And I still at this point haven't realized like, you know, I have this one thing over here. It's like this anchor around my neck. It's called alcohol and it's killing me. Like I couldn't, I wasn't self-aware enough at that point yet to make that connection. connection. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying, I'm blaming it on everything. It's, it's because I'm not working out. It's because I'm eating bad. It's because I've got too much stress. It's because my husband's not helping enough. It's because, you know, I have to work too much and I can't do everything. You know, it's, it's all these other things that while those might have been sure, <laughs> sure. they were not the one thing mm-hmm. um, could... that was really just taking me down. Mm-hmm. So I, on Facebook, I saw something about a, a, a class for moms in town. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this will be cool. This will be a way to maybe make some friends with some women. I also didn't, didn't have a lot of friends who had young kids Mm -hmm. too. So it was just like, maybe I can, like, I'm I'm trying at this point, I'm really trying to find something. Um, so I signed up for this class and I go do it. And it's like once a week for six weeks. And I did make some really good friends, like women that I still talk to regularly today, but I was just like, okay, I'm going to go to this class and it's going to help me. It's going to teach me how to prioritize, how to get my shit together, how to be a better mom, how to be a better wife, how to be you know, all these things that I'm just like, gosh, I have to do this. I have to do everything and I got to figure it out. This class is going to teach me, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. You know, I was trying. Yes. I was yes, trying so hard. Yes. Um, so there's, 
there was this one exercise we did in the class and it was probably the first night and the instructor, just an amazing mom. She's also got four kids and she's, um, she's kind of a health coach and she's somebody who I still talk to now. And she's, she's very similar to us. Like, she's just like, there's a, you know, you can have a healthy life. You can do these things. Like I want to help women. And so she, um, has us do this exercise and she's like, you know, we can't do everything. We've got to focus on one, you know, I'd really like for you to find this, you know, the one thing you want to focus on and spend your energy and, and, you know, like to try to, to do better in, and that's what we're going to use this, these classes to like focus on. So she had us do this brainstorming exercise where with pen and paper, we like start writing down, like, what are all these things that I want to change? Or what is, what do I want to do better? What do I want to use this time in this class to do better? And so while I'm like writing all this stuff down and I'm, I'm, and it's so funny to me now, but it's like, you know, drinking came up on my list and I very, um, like I was aware that I was just like, I can't say that, that drinking is a problem for me and that I have to stop it or I have to slow it down. Like, I can't say that were in you, front of these people. Were you thinking you could say something more like, I have to find a better work, work-life balance or something, right? I, what I needed to focus on uh-huh. was feeding my family better. Ah, we needed to be healthier. Got it. <laughs> yeah. That was to say something more palatable so to this. Yeah. Exactly yeah. more palatable. So it's like, I have this list of like 10 things and drinking is like the, it's got like neon lights around <laughs> it and it's like <laughs> blinking at me. There's air horns and shit going off. And then I'm like, oh no, we gotta eat take more. a pencil and scratch that one out. I'm like, we need to not eat out so right. much. <laughs> we got to eat more carrots. That's our problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was my fault. But it's like, God, that was sad. Like, I wish that, you know, maybe if another woman had been, and it's all these maybes, it's like, well, maybe if this had gone differently, maybe if that had gone different, that doesn't matter. You know, things happen how they happen in the progression that they happen in for a reason. And we got to go through all that stuff to get to where we're at, you know, blah, blah. (laughs) That's how it went down. So I spend this, you know, I, I do this class and I'm focused on feeding my family better. And it's just like, that wasn't it. That wasn't the thing that was going to make my life better. That was probably in the fall. And now we're coming up on the end of the year. My daughter is about to have her first Christmas. And, you know, something that really should have been a very exciting and happy time. For me, it wasn't. I've The very last selfie that I took of me and my daughter was on Christmas Eve, her first Christmas Eve. And I don't even remember taking that picture. And it's like I have – that was the last um, – photo that I took of myself, like selfie that I took of myself mm-hmm. before I got sober. So mm-hmm. like, I, I look back at that and I like, that's a very vivid, it's not a memory because yeah. I don't remember mm-hmm. it, but it is a very a vivid, like token point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Token maybe. And it's like a, it's like a point on the timeline of, okay, this was the last time uh, that I took a picture and, you know, like I can see like to me, I know I was, I wasn't there. And it's like my eyes are just hollow and it's like the, it's just, oh, it's awful. So around that time, my hus- I had heard about something um, like, it, I call it word of the year. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-huh. And it's like mm-hmm. where you choose a word and you really focus on it for the year coming up. And it's kind of like, would be like a, you know, New Year's resolution 
but instead of it being, I'm going to work out more or whatever, like you just have this, this one word and you really focus on nutrition it. would be like the, exactly. instead of, yeah. um, you know, hope, faith, a lot of people do that. Or, um, I, I don't know, something about that just really caught my attention. And I talked to my husband about it. We're like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to choose a word of the year. And I chose commitment. Ooh. And he chose patience. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's more foreshadowing here. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at the end of 2017, we choose these words. And, you know, I chose commitment because I had really realized, like, I, I don't keep any commitments. I don't keep any commitments to myself. I don't keep commitments to other people. I say I'm going to do something and I just, it doesn't happen. Like I am, that was something I was just like, I have got to, to do this. And, you know, so we choose these words and then it was probably, that was probably in December, you know, so we have holidays, whatever, nothing significant happens in, I guess so in February like things were just progressively getting worse. I was drinking more. I was, um, I hadn't, I mean, not that it's good or worse or better. Like I hadn't really drank during the day, but there were some mornings where I was just like, I would wake up feeling just so horrible, just mentally and physically that I would sneak a drink just to calm my nerves. Um, you know, and that's, that's when we start talking about real alcoholic stuff. Right. That's when people are like, well, you're not an alcoholic unless you drink in the morning, morning or right. you drink during the day. And then you're like, well, Aww. that's really when you're getting to like the bottom of the scale. Mm-hmm. Like there are other, you know. Right. That's another, other... that's another weird thing we put, you know, where it's like, yeah, we need to come like, down a little bit on that. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, we, we, that doesn't have to be like the. the thing you strive uh, for. <laughs> exactly. Like y- you can be an alcoholic before you get that far down. Um, so that had started happening and, and. So this particular day, February 27th, I just, I don't know what happened, but I ended up drinking a lot during that day. And, you know, there's no reason, like people always want a reason, like, but why did you do that? Your dog got hit by a truck or something, right? Yeah. Like there has to be a reason. You know what the reason is? I'm a little bit fucked up in my head. That's the reason. I'm an alcoholic. Okay. That's the only reason I can give. And it's so funny because my mom, she's, she's really you know, this, she's a new person now concerning all of, all of this, because she was the, the number two person while my husband was the only person who knew quite how bad it was. She was the only person right underneath him that kind of had an idea, but she couldn't even put her finger on it. Um, but she always, not always like, you know, after I first got sober and, and we're trying to figure stuff out and she just wanted to know why. And I'm like, listen, there's not a reason why it's not something, it's not because you dropped me on my head when I was six months old. Okay. Right. It's not your fault. You didn't do this. Um, yes, it's genetic. No, you don't have it. You know, it, it's just like, she wants to know why, cause she feels some responsibility. And I'm like, this isn't anything you did. This is just how it is, mm-hmm. is what it is. It is so what anyway, it is. Um, I know. I hate, I love, and I hate that. <laughs> me <laughs> too. It is what it is. <laughs> me too. There's yeah. no explanation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, that day I just, just had a, you know, it was just a bad day and I drank a lot and I, um, picked up my daughter from school and came home and my husband was like, what the hell has happened to you? Like, 
you know, he and I have it out. He gets up and leaves with the baby. She was, um, she was almost a year old and he calls, he goes to his mom's house and he calls my mom and he's just like, I don't know what to do, but I can't go back there. I can't deal with her. You go. And, um, so she comes over and, you know, things, I don't know. There were a lot of conversations, a lot of fighting, a lot of, a lot of different stuff, um, happened that, that day and that night, but I ended up, you know, I ended up agreeing to go to treatment that night. And so, um, my mom took me and my husband met us there. Um, and thankfully, um, shout out to Serenity House in Abilene. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the um, best treatment centers in the U.S. It's, it's really um, renowned for, for having a high success rate and just, it's just a great place. Um, so they took me there that night and um, we, we got it all you know, figured out and I went into detox that night. So that was February 27th, 2018. My Sober date is February 28th, 2018. Yep. So that was the, the, you know, the next morning I wake up in that room and can, I can pretty much remember most of the like intake process because I was, had sobered up quite a bit at that point, but you know, this is where I, I wake up in that room and I just go, what in the hell, how, how did I end up here? How is this my life? This is a nightmare. And that's really when I had to have this this conversation with myself and go, you know what, you're screwing up. You know, like people don't end up in detox at a treatment facility because they're doing their life right. You're messing it up. Um, And I just, I committed to myself then that day, like, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to do this thing for the first time. And as long as I can remember, I'm going to keep a commitment. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to, I'm going to do detox. I'm going to do the the four week treatment after it was like a week long detox. After that, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to, um, I'm just going to trust that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I was in treatment or I'm sorry, I was in detox for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then they came in one day and they said that, um, that some people were going to come in and they were going to have an AA meeting. So, these people came in and they um, put on an AA meeting and that was the first AA meeting that I'd ever gone to. And that was the first time I ever said out loud, I am an alcoholic. And that was the first time in my life that I met people who knew what I, what I felt like. It was the first time I really felt like, Oh my God, these, there are people out there who understand what I'm going through and they have done this and they have gotten sober and they figured out how to have a successful life. And so it was, you know, I'd already pretty much committed to myself that I was going to do, do the, do the deal, do the treatment deal. Um, because you can get up and walk out anytime. Like they can't make you yeah. stay there. Right. It's not like a, yeah. you know, people think about like, Oh, you got thrown into to right. rehab and you're came you're to a bed. It's shackled. Not like yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not in jail. You can leave at any time. Right. And so that's um, the commitment that you made. It's like, I'm not exactly. Gonna, I'm so not going like to fucking do that. Really yeah. come in full circle at that point. It was right. like, all right, I'm getting honest. There's these, you know, everybody, and everybody's heard of AA, but it's like, you know, I never knew anybody who was in AA and I'd never been to a meeting. And like, 
I never even thought of that as an option, which now I'm like, damn, I wish I'd gone to an AA meeting back when I was 25 years old. Like I could have avoided all this suffering, but that's not, that's not true. It's not how it was going to work. Is it this like image of like, it's like men in their sixties who were like sailors, right. And they've like <laughs> lived this hearted life and yeah. they're drinking their black coffee and their styrofoam cups and like everybody's smoking cigarettes. And- yeah. Smoking cigarettes <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. That's what you think. That's and what you think. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like these people, you know, they all lived under a bridge, right? And, you know, somehow made it mm-hmm. out of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not the reality. That's not, that's not the reality. The reality is, um, it was a group of people just like me who told my story. There were women in there who had kids. There were, um, you know, men there that were people that I would never have met in my life who were, you know, 30 years older than me, but they were telling my story and it was just, God, it was refreshing. You felt it was like seen good. and heard and yes. For the first time I thought it's not just me. I am not here alone. Um, it was, it was so amazing. <laughs> what is that? I, but I'm just, I love Brene Brown. Yeah, I don't even I, know that book. <laughs> I didn't either. I just held up everyone who's listening. Uh, Brene Brown's first book is called, I thought it was just me, but it isn't. And um, no, this sounds terrible. Like a plug. And I'm starting a book club and this is going to be our first book. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. I but by, yeah, by the time this airs, we'll have already started. So if anybody's listening, uh, you know, we're um, starting like our first meetup is like on Thursday, but we're not going to read anything. I just want to be like, who's coming? What's your email? Because I'm going to organize it by email. But yeah, look, I thought it was just me. I love Brene and I didn't know that this was her first book. Yeah. And she's in recovery too. Yes. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Been yep. like 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. We can talk about <laughs> See, that. Yeah. All of this, it's like uh-huh. these little things that it's like, that was meant to be mm-hmm. like, I had to say that yeah. you had to show me yeah. that we had to, <laughs> I had to know that I'm in a book club yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I spent, so that, that day when we did that meeting and I met these people and I was just like, holy crap, rehab is gonna suck. But if I can get through this and I can get back out there you know, on the, on the outside, like I'm in jail. Um, if I can get back out there, I can find these people, these six people who were here, I can find them and I can go to their meeting and they can show me how to get my shit together. And so that, that was really like where that commitment came in. And I was just like, okay, like I'm doing this thing. I'm doing the deal. Well, and is it a bargain between like, you know, like, you know, rehab is going to suck and this whole process is going to suck, but this also fucking sucked. Like what I was doing before also sucked. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not like it was, Oh, I had such a a wonderful experience in my life and it was wonderful. Oh, but rehab's going to be worth like, no, it's like, it was two sucky things. So make a choice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was (laughs) just like, go back to where I was at. Well, that's what got me here. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, try something new. Yeah, exactly. And at that point, I mean, my husband and I were at a, we were at a a breaking point, a breaking point. I mean, he was just like, I can't continue to live like this. And you won't continue to live like this because you're going to die. I mean, I, the amount of alcohol I was consuming and the amount of prescription drugs I was consuming, if I took them now, if I drank all that and took all that, it would kill me today. I have no doubt about it. And that's, that's a terrible, terrifying thought. Um, but that's the truth. So I, um, you know, I really jumped on that word of the day and was just like, all right, here we go. We're doing this. Um, and so 
I spent my daughter's first birthday in rehab. That is not something that was on my bucket list. That wasn't in the the, um, scrapbook, was it? Mm -mm. No, I mean, it is now. (laughs) Because I'm like, listen, people, you got to know that, you know, and that was, that's one of those things. It's just like you have this thought and it's like, oh my God, well, I can't stay here because I can't spend Lillian's first birthday in fucking rehab. And it's like, well, like you said, I had to make that choice. Like, or what? Go back out and live the life I was living. I don't want to spend her second birthday dead. So, um, you know, so I didn't get to see my daughter on her first birthday. I didn't get to see her wake up and, um, that really sucked, but you know, it's, it's okay. I mean, I, if I ever thought that I could or couldn't do hard things, guess what? I can't like, I can, I can, you know, I can make it through that day. And it's, um, you know, and something that I, I, heard that first day and that I continue to hear every day at, at AA meetings. It's like, you know, if, if this doesn't work for you, they joke and they're like, we'll refund your money and you can just go back to what you were doing and just keep living your life. Like, Hey, it's, it's no consequence to us. We know this works. We're going to keep coming here and doing this. So, so I went through treatment and had an amazing experience there. Um, it was great. And by great, I mean, it fucking sucked. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> it was horrible while I was in it, but the the further along I go and I'm able to look back, the more I can realize that I, I actually had a, an amazing experience. I had great counselors. I had great teachers. I had great, um, you know, I have a friend that I, I still talk to often that we were in treatment together and, um, you know, I really, that was the first of my really grabbing onto that word of the year deal and holding onto that commitment and going, I'm, I'm going to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this for me. I have to do this for my daughter, for my marriage. Like I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to be that person under a bridge if I don't kill myself first, because that is where this is taking me. And that was the first time that I um, really got any education on the disease of alcoholism and addiction and how, you know, it's just something different in me. And I, um, you know, I just can't, drink like a normal person. I just can't, you know, it's hard to say you can't use drugs like a normal person because you're not supposed to <laughs> <Yeah>. make that. <laughs> it's like you're not supposed to yeah. be able to eat. Normal people right. don't use drugs, yes. right? Yeah, I get what you mean though, but yeah. Yeah, yeah like, like a- I just, you know, so we'll reference it in the drinking aspect. Like I can't drink like normal. Right. It doesn't work for oh, me. Oh, I wrote something down because I did um, an episode um, where she referred to, um, she had disordered eating which I love that instead of eating disorder, disordered eating. So I wrote down disordered drinking. Disordered drinking. Mm-hmm. It's very much mm-hmm. the same thing. It's just something that is, um, you know, it's just something that's in your body. It's in my body. It's in my head. It's in my spirit. Um, you know, it's, it just doesn't work the same as other people. And while I was using alcohol as, um, you know, I was self-medicating with that, I thought I was helping myself. I'm really just building this, this, you know, this demon inside of me, I'm, I'm making it stronger every time I'm using and it's, it's taking more control of my body and my mind. And so for all these years I was doing that. Um, and so that's a huge, you know, that's, that's just why you pretty much, if you're an alcoholic like me, you just have to stop. There's no middle ground. There's no, I'll only have a cocktail on new year's Eve that doesn't work for me. If I have a cocktail on New Year's Eve, I'm going to burn the place down yeah. by the end of the night. Yep. And I think that's the difference. Like for me, it was more, um, I was using drinking as a coping mechanism. I mean, and it was, 
it was disordered. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah, like, yeah. like I wasn't dealing and with my life. And there's a scale. Yes. There's a sliding scale for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. It's not just you are an alcoholic like or, or not. you're not. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, there, there is a scale and there is a scale of, you know, people who are able to moderate and people who are able to have control and, and to have the self-awareness to go, you know what, I, um, I can have a drink or two here, but that's as far as I'm going to take it. And you still have that, that self-awareness and that self-control to stop it. For me, it's not that way. I mean, I have one and it's, it's over. One and done. I, um, you know, <laughs> and we don't mean over, we mean done, you know, I mean, life is yeah, over. Yeah, like I, yeah. like I said, I'm burning the place down. Yeah, I'm yeah. probably go, I'm getting a divorce There's, and yeah. going to jail tonight. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's a great country oh, song. Man. It's a great country yep. song. It is. I should write that song maybe one day. So I do I do the treatment. And um, at this particular center, they do a family day every Saturday. And so my husband got to come up there. And my mom came a few times. Um, and they do a family meeting. And they do some education. And it was so enlightening. And it was so educating. And it was amazing um, to be able to have them come up there. And like at this point, I felt like it was in a safe place because I had people who could help me explain what was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And they could defend me. And they could go, no, she's not just a selfish bitch. She has a problem. And it's not, that's not Maylee. Um, that's her alcoholism. And, and they could help me separate it. And they could, they could help them, you know, learn some coping skills and some, some t- they could give them some tools to deal with me and to deal with the disease and to deal with, you know, what we were going to have to deal with when I got home. Um, and, and gosh, I had such a great experience there. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't fun. It was just, everything was just so educational and it was, it was a good experience. Um, and not everybody has that experience. And I, I hate that for people who, who go to treatment and, and it's crazy too, to see the women and men who came in there and then left, you know, and w- while you're there for exactly while I was there for four weeks, I mean, there were people who came in on the same time as me and left a week early. And it was just like, Oh no, like I hope you know, they, you start that one of the big main troubles with alcoholism and drug addiction is you can get clean for a few weeks and you start to feel good. And then you start to go, wait, did I really have a problem? I don't really have a problem. I can do this. I can, I can moderate. I can manage this. And then, you know, if you have a few weeks under your belt, a few months under your belt and you go back out, it was like I said earlier about how, when you get a little bit of, you know, you get some time, you go back out. I can, nearly guarantee you it's going to be worse. And, you know, Glennon, some people just, Glennon Doyle. it's a few times. Yes. <laughs> Glennon Doyle, um, last week, um, talked to, you know, she, uh, you know, the author, she wrote untamed. Yeah. So she, you know, is also sober. She's been in recovery and, and she's also on, um, medication, you know, she has a prescription and she said, she went through this whole explanation of like, what happens is the medication is working your prescription is working so you feel good so you think like i don't need this this." and so you stop taking it but you felt good because the medication was working it's like the sobriety is working that's why you feel good you can't stop it yeah that's exactly right and it's i'm glad you brought up the medication because i had also while i um kind of back in the fall um and even around christmas time before i had gone to treatment i was still in that I'm grasping for, tr- right. for straws. You were changing the food. And you're, you're, I was yeah. changing the food. Yeah. That, didn't, that didn't magically fix my life. So I did go to my doctor and I did tell him, um, and this was a first for me, I did tell him, 
I have a drinking problem. I can't stop. And he did prescribe me medication. Um, and he was very clear. You cannot drink on this. You, um, you have got to just stop and let this medication help you. Unfortunately, the, the state that I was in, I couldn't do that. And I wasn't willing to do that. So I did begin a medication, but I also drank on it. And that also made things much worse. So it made, um, it made me more crazy than I was. And so once I got into treatment and I, I stayed on that medication and I'm still on it today. And I, if I take it for the rest of my life, I am pleasantly happy with that. Like I, uh, I don't have a problem with that because it helps me to be okay. So when I got into treatment and, and I got, you know, clean and sober and I was taking the medication, it worked. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. So, um, you know, exactly like you were saying that Glennon Doyle was saying that, um, you know, you get clean for a little bit or you can get on this medication and it starts working and then people go, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I was normal. I don't the whole actually cycle need over this. Again. I don't need this. I'm okay. And it's like, no, duh. That's just what the, you know, that's what the addiction tells you. That's what the disease tells you. It tells you, you do not have a disease. I have a disease that tells me I don't have one. Um, I have a disease that tells me that I am fine, that everybody else is the problem. And that's not the truth. You know, it's, it's me. It's 100% yeah. me. So got through treatment. I met my, um, she's still my sponsor today. Her name is Sue and she's an amazing, amazing woman. She's at this time, she has 21 years of sobriety and she is a retired psychology psychologist and she taught psychology at one of the universities here in Abilene and she was retired at that point. So she spent a lot of her time volunteering at Serenity House and sponsoring. And so she, I had told my counselor there that I was struggling finding a sponsor because what they do when you're in treatment is they encourage you to find a sponsor, either somebody temporary or long-term, whatever, because a lot of people come from out of town. So it'll be like a temporary thing, but you work the 12 steps and you're supposed to work through step five and you need a sponsor for that. Um, and I'm not going to go into all that, but so I had been looking at the AA and NA meetings we were going to, and I just didn't really find anybody that I felt like I was connecting with. And so I told my counselor that, and she got me in touch with Sue and Sue had been one of, uh, had, had taught her in psychology classes when she was in school here in Abilene. So I, Sue and I got together and it was love at first sight. We we (laughs) were meant to be together. And it's just like, I have to remember, like I had to go through all these things. I had to take each of those steps to get me to this point, because if I hadn't gone to treatment, I wouldn't have met Sue and she wouldn't have, you know, got me, helped me get to where I'm at today. Um, so I, I met her. I also, um, something that, that AA and treatment taught me was about, you know, a higher power and, um, finding a God of my, um, I'm smiling right now because Mm -hmm. a friend of mine who I met through AA just texted me happy 28 months. Today's my 28th month. Yeah. Yes. Yep. She and I have the same sober date. She's a year, um, I'm a year ahead of her. And I met while she was in treatment in Abilene. So that was, oh, that was really cool for me to have just got that message. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Serendipity so, right now. Totally. Um, you know, I, I learned through AA and through treatment that I, I can have a higher power, a God of my own understanding. And that, you know, if, 
if all this stuff that I had learned and I never grew up in church, but you know, if the things that I had learned, because I never felt like I felt in, I, or that I fit, that I fit in, you know, I, I got, I had some opportunities to go to church with friends and do some stuff and it just never felt okay to me. And I, I realize now, I think that that is part of my disease that it, it told me you don't fit in with these people. You need to be out on your own. You need to be alone. You don't need this community. You don't need this fellowship. You can do this on your own. That's a big part of, of alcoholism and that it tells you, you don't need help. You don't need other people. It, it wants to isolate me. And that's, you know, kind of, that's part of what kept me in the cycle and kept me in the disease and kept me drinking. Um, you know, I, I found this God of my, my own understanding in treatment. And I, I realized that the, the God that I need isn't necessarily the same God that, that my mom has. And it's not necessarily the same, you know, higher power that maybe you have or whoever else, but I have the authority to create the higher power that I need. And my higher power is, is all loving and he's understanding and he knows that I like to cuss a little Mm -hmm. and he know you know, he don't care. He, she, whatever. It's not, you know, there's, it's genderless for sure, but it's easier to say he, um, you know, that's been a huge journey for me is, is realizing like, it's not really the higher power that I learned of as a kid. Like this is something completely different. And I, I have the authority to create these things in my life whatever, you know, if I need something different, then let's make it something different, you know, and it's definitely, um, changed through the last two and a half years. I'm almost two and a half years sober. So, um, you know, that was something that I learned in, um, that I learned in treatment and that I learned with Sue. Yeah. So like I'm, we're taking a long time. Yeah. We're over an hour. (laughs) That's all right. right, We're We're, we're getting close to This is so good though. I want you to understand that this is so valuable you know? Okay. Thank you. I know. And it's like, I feel like there's so many important things and it's like, I want to tell it all. And I know that we don't have time for that. And, but you know, if, if, if somebody wants to reach out, they can yep. do that. Yep. We, we know how to get in touch with each other. These days. So it's, you know, I know where to send people for the resources and all of that. So anyway, so when I left treatment, that was strange. That was weird coming home to the same house that I spent so much time, you know, actively in my addiction. And it's strange too, because like I told you earlier, my husband is a booze salesman. Yes, I noted that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so we really had to make some changes in our household. Like, you know, he was on board 150% and he was just like, whatever we have to do, I'll support you. But it was just, you know, it was a strange time. Those first couple of months coming out of treatment. I mean, I was a new person. I was I was, you know, I felt like I was a a child again and I was relearning how to live life without this crutch that I had been leaning on since I was, you know, 21 years old. And then that was really where AA treatment, I, I say this a lot and I really believe treatment got me sober. It gave me a safe space to get clean and it taught me a lot. But then AA has kept me that way. AA is really what has saved my life. You know, I, I threw myself into the fellowship and into, you know, going to meetings and into doing the things that they tell you to do and into working the steps because I had nothing else, you know, I, I had nothing to lose at that point. And I, I needed something and I needed these people to help me because I didn't know how to be an adult sober. I had never been that before. 
So now, you know, I'm home with my husband, you know, and while we had a lot of years where I wasn't really, really, really struggling with alcohol, it had always been there. And so we had never been sober together. He had never known me sober. Yeah, never. Mm -mm. I had this one-year-old who I had never, you know, been a mother and been sober. You know, I had a job that I had never, like, I just had never lived life as an adult without using drugs and alcohol. I also didn't know anyone else, you know, all of my friends, all of my family, either, you know, some drank a little, some drank a lot, some used drugs a little, some a lot, like, but I did not know sober people. So I really threw myself into AA because I had to go in there and I had to listen to these other adults who knew how to go through every single day, regular life without going home and getting blackout drunk. Yeah. I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. Um, that was something, you know, I, AA has continued to be a blessing to me. I mean, it's, it's transformed my thinking and I have, um, you know, while I still have the same family and friends that I did before I got sober, I have this whole other group of people who, who I can rely on and who I can lean on and who we can learn together how to do life sober because we're the minority Mm -hmm. in, um, in your group, you know, it, right? In, it, in, in reality, because mm-hmm. most people do drink, even if it's just a little bit, you know, most people do have the option for that. Let's say we do not, we know that that is not an option for us and we just cannot do it. So we've got to figure out life without it. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it is difficult and you do feel kind of out on the edges sometimes where it's just like, oh yeah, I'm the one person I'll here have, who doesn't drink. I'll have the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you put a lime in it, it doesn't look so yes. random. I, uh, bubbly waters became a huge, a huge addiction to bubbly water. Absolutely. Yes. I was cracking up whenever I listened to your first um, episode and you talked about how y'all are just like go through the bubble water and it's same at my house. I chug bubble water like nobody's business. Yep, I'm on my second one since we've been talking. I've about noticed. It. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still on coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't transitioned to bubble yes. water yet today. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the other things that I really wanted to mention that was a huge help to me was right when I got out of treatment and I was really struggling because also I didn't have an identity. I didn't know who I was now. I had been stripped of everything that I had been doing so regularly for all of these years. I was just You were like, like what do I do after dinner now? Exactly. Exactly. And who do who, I read a book? Yeah. Do I, yeah. What yeah. am I going to knit? Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Which funny, I do sew in quilts now. My mom and I have a little quilting company, uh, but that came a little bit later. But I, um, at that time, that's when Rachel Hollis's book, Girl Wash Your Face, had just come out and it had started gaining a lot of popularity. And I think that's where you and I crossed paths was in one of those groups like a made for more group and I um I kept hearing stuff about this book and so I ended up um I was like well I don't I do not love reading I will do it when I need to and I do it now more than I did before because I have been able to as my daughter's gotten older I've been able to carve out more time to do that um but I was just like man I want to I want this book but I know I'm not going to sit down and read it and then I was like okay I'm going to get it on so I, I bought it on Audible, you know, audio. Same. And I listened to it, and it, I, I, it helped me. I mean, it, it changed my life to hear another woman um, talk about struggles in such a 
vulnerable and honest way that I really hadn't heard a lot of women speaking that way at that point. And it's probably, I mean, I'm sure other people were, I just, I just hadn't come across it. it. Yeah. 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 And she was just so relatable to me at that time in my life where all, you know, we're around the same age and she talks about her marriage. She talks about motherhood. She talks about working. I mean, she just talked about a lot of things that were, that were concerns of mine, things that I was trying to figure out how they were going to continue to fit into my life and how I was going to create this whole new life. Um, and I've got two notes from that book that really, that really changed me. And one of them is where she talks about, um, she says, she talks about giving up diet Coke Yes, and it's, <laughs> it's silly. And it's like, you can't compare diet Coke and and alcohol, but you can, I mean, whatever it is that, that you're, you're addicted using, to. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like it's the same thing. Um, and she talks about saying she's going to, you know, quit drinking diet Coke. And she talks about telling, like having this honest conversation with herself and going, what if this one time I don't break this promise to myself? And that is very much where I was in my, um, you know, staying sober in my commitment. And it's so funny because that year I, I gave that word of the year commitment. I gave it hell. Like I, I wore it out. I was like, everything was just like commitment. Commitment. Commit, like I just like, whatever is happening, like say the serenity prayer, which we learn in AA yes. and then commitment. Like, this is my word. I have to stick with this. And then my husband, his word patience, man, he really, he really worked he it. He really had to use that one <laughs> you worked that it. year. And that I, I truly believe that is something that got us through that first year were those two words. And it's so funny now he hasn't done it. He has chosen a word of the year since then. And, you know, I know that's in the back of his mind and he does use that, but I have continued to do it. And I'm on my third year of that. And it's really, that's been something that's been so helpful because it's an easy, simple focus. So she talked about, you know, not breaking this one promise to herself. And that was huge for me. I was just like, oh my God, like, just like she's saying, I, I just want to not break a promise. I don't want to let myself down. Like I'm, you know, and it's so easy to let yourself down too, because it's, it's easier to let yourself down than it is to let other people down. And it should be the other way. It should, you know, you should prioritize yourself more than everybody around you. And you just have to learn that. And it just takes a lot of hard experience Uh to learn that. (laughs) And then another thing that she talked about was finding a mentor. She was like, listen, and I really related to this. She was like, you might not have people in your life that you look up to as mentors. You might not have anybody that you can just look at and go, I want to, you know, I want my life to resemble theirs. So find somebody. Right. Yeah. So find somebody, if it's somebody on the internet and for me, it kind of was her at that point. And then it, it became, you know, women in my AA group that I was just like, look, they have something that I want. And so I'm going to watch them and I'm going to listen to them. You know, whether it's one of the the women who are in my AA group who I'm really close to now, it was her um, career and her dedication to her job. And then, um, you know, another woman who I'm also still very close with, it was just how compassionate and loving she was and she was just so kind and I loved her the way she spoke and her demeanor and it was just like these these women had things that I wanted and and they became you know all these mentors to me and to to realize like it's okay like I am not who it's hard for me to say this like I want to keep growing and I want to to become 
better and I want to evolve. The person that I am right now is not who I want to be in five years and who I want to be in 10 years. Like I want to be better. And I'm not talking financially. I'm not talking looks. I'm not talking any of that um, surface, very, uh, what's the word? Exterior. Yeah, it's not just exterior stuff. It's, you know, you know, I want to continue developing myself. And so I really got into, um, and still am, not as much, but motivational speakers. And I went to um, Rachel Hollis's conference, Rise. I went in Dallas and that was a blast. And I went, you know, I drug one of my AA sisters. She's a, she's my sponsee sister. That means that Sue is her sponsor too. I drug her and two of my cousins and I was like, listen, <laughs> y'all don't know who Rachel Hollis is, but we're going to this we're conference going. and it's going to be fun and I'll go by myself if I have to, but y'all should come too. And so we went and it was this whole weekend and it was a blast. And now we have our own little, you know, group text and we're just you know, we're, we're constantly in this community, which is so funny because my word for 2020 is community. And that's like the word of the year thing has been so cool to me because it's like, once I made that a focus, I start seeing opportunities to To enact it. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, you know, getting you getting in touch with me, then that became a an opportunity for and we live you know, close enough we can meet in person <laughs> i know yeah. that's going to be awesome we will um but it's like this is an opportunity for me to exercise that word of the year community and to to put this information out there and go you know women who are struggling with alcohol and, and addiction like you're not by yourself there is a community of women who have figured this out i don't have all the answers what i do know is there are um, resources out there for us and that you don't have to continue to live like that. You know, you don't have to suffer and just barely survive your own life. That is not what it's meant to be. My higher power, like, does not want me merely surviving life. Mm-hmm. It's um, meant to be enjoyed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I've gone down my list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, you know, um, any yeah if you've got anything else and then I have my fun 10 questions yeah I think that I have yeah. said everything that I I mean I could always talk more but I'm I'm tired of talking <laughs> <laughs> I've told you oh I've been wanting to tell you too I love your laugh and your oh. voice I love the way they sound thanks because I hate them you know what it's why it sounds different to me you know it's oh, you always oh, sound sure different yeah. but since the first you know, podcast those too, and you laughed. I was like, "Oh, I love her laugh. It's so good." <laughs> Thank like you. It. Thank you. Yeah. This is something I'm like, "Oh God." Well, don't be okay, conscious about it. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> well, cool. Let's um, we'll go um, we'll go over where people can contact you and connect with you. Yeah, we'll do that last. But let's let's do my fun questions. Okay. Yeah. What was okay. your first car? Uh, it was my mom's, and she she handed it down to me. It was a I think it was 89 Pontiac Grand Am. Ooh, do you remember what color? Yeah, four door. It was maroon, had gray trim. Ooh, very nice. And I was the first one of my friends to be able to drive, and I got a a learner's permit really early, so we were, like, so cool in the Grand Am. (laughs) You were packed everybody in. I love it. Yeah. When did you get your first period? Like, how old were you? I think I was 14. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, I, of, and I, that was kind of late. late. I was going to say, yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've, when I've, since I've been asking, it's been like 11, 12. And that is so crazy to me. It seems now too that 
girls were getting them earlier. I'm sure that's to do with hormones mm-hmm. and our foods and mm-hmm. stuff. That's a whole different I know. conversation. I know. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> toilet paper. <clears throat> this is a very serious conversation. My family over, under, or you don't care. Over. Thank God. <laughs> it's a fair. Over. My obviously. husband. My husband called a family meeting about it like six months ago. He's like, "Listen, I'm so glad y'all are helping with the toilet paper, but listen, this way." So funny. do it. Yeah. Right or don't do yes, it at all. I'll do it right the first time. It was a picture I took. I don't a... want to have to have this conversation again. <laughs> yeah. Like, and if it doesn't, if you don't care, if you think like, "What the hell?" You're rolling your eyes at us. Then just do it. Okay. Like, if it doesn't yeah. matter to you, just follow. Follow along totally. with the over. Yep. Um, do you own a Lizzo album? I don't own an album, but I do love some Lizzo. Yes. I always ask about that. I asked this um, in an interview of a woman who was a musician, and she was like, oh, I know how important it is to buy the album. And I was like, mm-hmm. That's why I ask. Uh, and I just want to make sure everybody – I just want to preach the gospel of um, Brene Brown and Lizzo. Like, Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. If we could go to like – I don't know, a weekly service. We could call it church. I don't care. With Lizzo sure. and Brene, that'd be great. That would be it. All right. That's all you need. Let's do mm-hmm. it. Um, cilantro, yes or no? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. When you drink a latte or a cereal, because some people, I don't know, drinking coffee and I don't understand that at all, but what kind of milk do you like? Uh, 2%. Mm. Regular. Comes mm-hmm. from a cow. Okay. Winter, spring, summer, or fall? Um, warm. So summer. <laughs> yeah. Summer, spring, fall. It, here in Abilene and West Texas, and if I'm positive that you're familiar, it's like you mostly just have two seasons, cold and then getting warm or hot, yeah. you know, so, but I do not love the cold. My husband does. And he threatens to like, let's move to Wyoming. And I'm like, no, I can't even function in the cold. I left Massachusetts for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The weather. Ugh. Where are you in birth order? First, second, first only. First, I have a younger, a younger brother. He's five years younger. Okay, so first of two. Mm-hmm. I yep. love birth order stuff. What was <laughs> your kindergarten teacher's name? Mrs. Kachimba. Ooh, good name. Yeah, <laughs> I love that name. Uh, on an airplane, window, aisle, middle. Window. Window. Mm, window. Uh-huh. I'm a weird aisle. I love the aisle. Really? Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to answer middle, but I have to ask because that's mm-hmm. my 10. <laughs> okay. So um, I love that. Uh, so the final, where can people connect with you? Like if there's a um, mom who's like, fuck, yeah, I fucking feel this. I hear this. I know this. I'm, you know, I am this. Where can they find you? Yeah. So I'm on um, Facebook and Instagram. They're just personal pages and I can leave um, you my email address um, cool. And if this will all be in the show notes, but what, um, so people can click on it, but want to tell us what's your username? Uh, Maylee Wilson, M-A-Y-L-E-E-W-I-L-L-S-O-N. Ooh. Only one. Can't, can't miss me. <laughs> uh, double L's. <laughs> yes. Got it. Yes. That's my husband's name. It's so annoying. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to put your email in the show notes? Yeah. It's Maylee Wilson at yahoo.com. M-A-Y-L-E-E-W-I-L-L-S-O-N at yahoo. Yeah. I am at LaJoy Society, which is L-A-J-O-I-E-S-O-C-I-E-T-Y on all the Instagrams. And that's the website as well. And I'm pushing everyone to um, rate, review, and subscribe because I feel like this is an important show that people need to hear. So I need your help. So go and rate, review, and subscribe. And then, I don't know, send me a screenshot and I'll send you a sticker. Ha <laughs> ha. 
or I don't know, just let me know you did it. <laughs> I'll send you a sticker. All right, everyone. I will see you again next week. I will just keep saying see, even though I don't see anybody. <laughs> Everything up to this point has led me here and there's nowhere I'd rather be than to be here. All the things that made no sense So pain.